Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch, chop, retrofit. Huge shout out to Prof Goff, that is uh, Professor Brandon Goff and the Commercial Music Department at Francis Marion University uh, for our new intro music slash outro music. Uh, he sent us a few options and I think they're all amazing. I'm in love with all of them. You can also check out his website. It's uh, brandongoff.com. That's right? G-O-F-F. G-O-F-F. But this is not a music production podcast. Welcome to season eight, episode 18 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... This one's low-hanging fruit. Traveler. Travolver. <laughs> and Ocean's Travlevin. Oh, that's pretty good. I like the last one. Uh, and I will be your host. I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Sean the Con, a.k.a. Amerishawn Hustle, <laughs> a.k.a. Catch Me If You Sean. <laughs> also in our third seat, we've got Chop Shop Regulator, Cachelionaire. Nice. A.K.A. The Wolf of Chell Street. Nice. A.K.A. Ocean's Chellevin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. Further description of the show. The tagline says, watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older films. Sometimes they're classics with iconic actors. And then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. How can you not concur? Why would you not concur? Okay. And this is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. In conning you. That moves us into our next segment, which is movie news. And unfortunately, this week, we do have to start it off with a few RIPs. Uh, first, we've got R.I.P. Rest in Peace and Rest in Power to Nicola Paget, stage and screen actor, best known for playing Elizabeth Bellamy in the 1970s TV series Upstairs, Downstairs, died suddenly of a brain tumor at age 75. And that comes to us from TheGuardian.com. Next, Rest in Peace and Rest in Power to the sound mixer uh, for the movie Nomadland which we've talked about here on the show. Um, he died by suicide at the age of 35, according to his father. And that comes to us from Variety. Once again, rest in peace, rest in power, and um, condolences to the family. And finally, rest in peace and rest in power to Leon Gast. He's an Oscar-winning documentarian. He made the movie When We Were Kings okay. about Muhammad Ali, which... Uh, Muhammad Ali has come up on the show a few times recently as well. He died at the age of 85 and details uh, of his death were not immediately available. Rest in peace, rest in power to all of those. Uh, next, on a lighter, maybe heavier note, 
Uh, Paul Bettany once punched Tom Hanks so hard that he farted. <laughs> so if you're wondering who farted. Yeah, I was. It was Tom Hanks who farted. He punched the fart out of him. He punched the fart out of him. And this was on the set of The Da Vinci Code. And I'm pretty sure that means that Vision cracked the code. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next we've got, uh, there was an HBO Max bug, a glitch on HBO Max that streamed the Snyder Cut of, of Justice League instead of Tom and Jerry. So people were trying to watch Tom and Jerry and they accidentally got to watch the Snyder Cut. Got to? They were allowed to. Uh, I, I think the, the verdict is out about which one's better. Uh, next, we've got... Oh, by the way, that comes to us from uh, Comic Book Review. Yeah. ComicBookReview.com. Uh, next, Netflix signs a $55 million global deal for the new... Uh, Christian Bale movie called Pale Blue Eye and I don't know much it's a horror thriller and it's directed by the same guy who directed Hostels which was like the the old west like Civil War era movie with Native Americans that he was in it wasn't great <laughs> next up Judas and the Black Messiah revives Bill to remove J. Edgar Hoover's name from the FBI building that's perfectly fine did you guys me. watch judas not and the yet. black messiah yet not yet no. i know it needs to happen um a wise man once said procrastination masturbation either way you're fucking yourself <laughs> uh that story comes to us from indie wire next up horror fans are freaking out over rob zombie's new monsters movie and what did you say i said fire up the dragula and i said living dead girl uh, finally, finally, Tony Collette, Chop Shop favorite Tony Collette, uh, is to make her directorial debut with a film adapt with a film adaptation of Lily King's novel *Writers and Lovers* for Topic Studios. I uh, think that's great. I'm really curious to see what her director's vision is like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's we love her in her acting roles, and it's going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out. That's going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. Do you guys hear a uh, strange old school phone ringing? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Good dawning to thee, friends. Prithee, lend me thy ears, and hangeth on these clarifications, like a rich jewel in an Ethiop's ear. Yep, Larry Miller is the dad in Ten Things I Hate About You. Sean, I believe, had it correct. It's Coriolanus. There are several superstitions as to why actors will not say the name Macbeth in the theater. One is that the actress playing Lady Macbeth in the first production died suddenly before the performance, and Shakespeare himself had to take over her role. Several other actors in later productions died on stage when the fight scenes got a little too realistic. Another is that several theaters that were already financially strapped staged the play, which was an expensive production and ended up going under afterward due to the overwhelming production expense. A third is that Shakespeare used actual spells in the witches' dialogue. A coven of witches found out about it and put a curse on the production. 
Since I've just said the name of the Scottish king and the Scottish lady, I'm gonna exit the building, spin around three times, spit, curse, and then knock and hope somebody lets me back in. Of course, I have the key, so see you next week. All right, thank you, Dana, for that. We certainly appreciate you. And it sounds like you found 10 things you hate about our last episode. <laughs> That's gonna close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week. Bringing us to the theme of the episode. We're talking grifter movies, right? Yeah. What do you guys think about this? Give me a moment to drink some beer. Well, I kind of like, kind of put the idea to you of, you know, doing the grifter con artist kind of movie. Yep. And it's funny in, in researching for this week's episode, there's a huge overlap of heist movies yes. and con movies. I'll get to that in a minute. Which we're going to have that in a couple of our recasts. Mm -hmm. uh, the focusing on the con artist element of pulling a trickaroo, taking advantage of other people's human nature. I also think this is the first time anybody's ever said trickaroo. Trickaroo. On a recording. Mm -hmm. There's a switcheroo and there's trickery. But you I, made a trickaroo. Like it's it. also a kangaroo that's trained to do tricks. <laughs> <laughs> and Chelsea, your thoughts on the the theme of the week? Um I guess I didn't realize how big it was. Okay. That's what she said. That is indeed <clears throat> what she said. Uh, I've got a a blurb here. This is from the playlist staff at IndieWire.com. Uh, the article, and this is, I'm just going to do the intro. The article is Swindlers, Crooks, and American Hustlers, 20 films about con men. And we're not going to list the 20 films, but this is the opening paragraph. Are they confidence artists or merely con men? Your answer may depend on your view of cinema's flim flammers and as either larger than life icons of charm and effortless theft or simply morally suspect desperate scammers. Certainly the film industry has banked large sums with the former depiction as the con artist entertains, but of its usually nonviolent nature, as opposed to the heist film, where characters burst into banks, guns blazing, con artists lift money from their marks by persuasion, sleight of hand, and by their superior knowledge of human nature, often accompanied by a devilish smile. Oftentimes, the con will be played on a deserving victim. Deserving is in quotes. Wealthy, exuding greed, arrogance, and cruelty. But other times, it will be between two so-called allies, lovers, or siblings, perhaps the more worthy and therefore more fun adversaries. And once again, that comes to us from the playlist staff at IndieWire.com. All right, that's going to bring us into our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel, and we each talk about two movies that are within the theme of our episode. We uh, talk about how they relate to each other, and how they are a good pairing for a midnight double feature, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, Chelsea, you're up first. Are you ready? Yep. What do you got? I have two movies from 2020. Um, the first one is Kajillionaire, and I'm going to pair that with I Care A Lot. Kajillionaire, we've talked about this on the show before. It's Evan Rachel Wood yep. and her father and mother. Her mm -hmm. mother is, is it Deborah Winger? Who's the mother? I don't remember. You probably, I think you might be right. 
anyway, the the situation is great. And then you're you're pairing it with what now? Uh, I care a lot with um. I care a lot. Rosamund Pike. I talked about it last yes. week during my check in. And is it good? I loved it. All right, cool. One's like high end con artist. Other and ones other like one low is, yeah, low yeah, end. Yeah. I hear you. All right, over to you, Sean. Um, all right, I'm going to check in two Steve Martin films relating to con artistry. Okay. The first is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels from 1988. This is uh, starring Steve Martin, Michael Caine, and Glenn Headley. Yes. And it's directed by uh, Frank Oz, who will come up later in the show. Indeed. But if you have not seen this one, please see this instead of the um, remake. remake. Quick uh, overview of the movie if you've never heard of it. Two con men try to settle their rivalry by betting on who can swindle a young American heiress mm-hmm. out of $50,000 first. And so this one, they're not really, I mean, of course they're gaining the con, but it's really about the wager. Yeah, but they're... It kind of reminds me of Dinner for Schmucks. Yeah, there is a wager involved, and you're right in that in that regard. Uh, but obviously, in, in early in the film, they kind of show them in their short cons. Right. This, of course, being a longer con, and then a twist ending. I'm going to pair that with 1992's Leap of Faith. I love Leap of Faith. Yeah, the stars uh, Steve Martin, Deborah Winger, and Lolita Davidovich. Yes. As well as um, Meatloaf and Liam Neeson. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Meatloaf. That's random. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Steve Martin plays a fake faith healer uh, who is stranded in a small town, and uh, he can't fool all the people all the time, and he's kind of called onto it on the carpet and raked over the coals because he has to perform a real miracle. I certainly hope that there was at least a staring contest between Meatloaf and Liam Neeson on set during Leap of Faith. I think it'd be cool. <laughs> All right. So uh, my double feature, I've got two films that are about like father-daughter teams of con artists. One of them is outstanding. The other one is, at least for me, kind of uh, lacking. So the first one is going to be Paper Moon from 1973. And this is a movie that has been on my like through the cracks uh, list on IMDb. And I finally got around to watching it this past year, probably during quarantine, starring the actual father-daughter team of Ryan and Tatum O'Neill. And so they are a pair of con artists who team up as... Slick con artists Moses Prey and Addie Loggins in 1930s Kansas when Mose, they call him Mose, is unexpectedly saddled with getting the nine-year-old Addie to her relatives in Missouri after the death of her mother. His attempt to dupe her out of her money backfires and he's forced to take her on as a partner. Swindling their way through farm country, the pair is nearly done in by a burlesque dancer played by the great Madeline Kahn and Madeline Kahn artist (laughs) and an angry bootlegger. And so that description comes to us from Google. Uh, Next, I'm pairing that with, in my opinion, the inferior movie in the same template. We've got Curly Sue from 1991 directed by John Hughes. And it's got a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Bill, played by James Belushi, is a penniless drifter who scams strangers out of just enough money to feed himself and his partner in crime, an orphan girl known as Curly Sue, 
played by Allison Porter. Bill and Curly Sue target Gray, played by Kelly Lynch, a yuppie lawyer. But their con takes an unexpected turn when the successful woman begins to like the ramshackle duo. <laughs> she decides to take the girl in and falls in love with Bill. But there's one problem. Gray's jealous, conniving boyfriend, Walker, played by John Getz. Like I said, they're pretty much the same archetypal characters in both films, but the second one, in my opinion, is not as well done. Chelsea, you said you liked it though, right? Yeah. Curly Sue? I've loved that movie since I was little. Sean? I like Paper Moon a lot. I thought it was okay. so well done, and sometimes father-daughters, mothers, sons, whatever combination don't yeah. work out on screen. This was really... a great magical yeah. kind of combo absolutely and uh their explanation of the grift and you know demonstration of some of the stunts they can pull they were pretty clever i really liked his his whole bible salesman yep. bit. very well done so i've got uh one recommend and one not recommend um uh, mine are both recommends okay. same for mine all right cool deal moving it into our feature segment which is the recast shout out to dr bob that sweet ass intro music right there and the first film that's going to get this treatment is an unusual film <laughs> called the usual suspects and i think that people of our general age uh put this movie on an echelon like put it on a pedestal mm -hmm. um because it was one of the first movies that really just kind of mind fucked everybody uh the big payoff which we're not gonna we're not even gonna reveal that but i was talking to a previous guest brian about this and he was like man when i first saw this movie i told everybody to come over to my apartment and watch it <laughs> you know um so the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist, says con man Kent, played by Kevin Spacey. That's a verbal Kent. Drawing a comparison to the most enigmatic criminal of all time, Kaiser Soze. Kent attempts to convince the feds that the mythic crime lord not only exists, but is also responsible for drawing Kent and his four partners into a multi-million dollar heist that ended with an explosion in San Pedro Harbor, leaving few survivors. You had never seen this in its entirety before, Yeah, Sean. I, was, I had a friend who, for some reason, said, here, watch the rest of this, and it was like the last 10, 15 minutes of yeah. the movie. So I know the twist ending before knowing anything about the film. Gotcha. So, gotcha. I, but... That said, I mean, there are some problems in retrospect because of the director. and The, the director one, is Brian Singer. And one of its stars. As Kevin Spacey. But outside of that, uh, very well written. Uh, I wonder if they journey. were just like yeah. molesting each other. Like I back and forth. Know. Back and forth. In, in both of their trailers. I don't know. And I don't mean the preview to the movie. I mean their artist trailer. Artist trailer? Um... <laughs> So the roles that we're going to recast are Verbal Kent, played by Kevin Spacey, who was 36. Boo. We've got Fred Fenster, played by Benicio Del Toro, who was 28 at the time. We've got Dean Keaton. Every time I read it, I want to say Diane Keaton. 
uh, played by Gabriel Byrne, who was 45 at the time. Uh, I think we like Gabriel Byrne a lot on this show. Yeah. Uh, he was really good in Hereditary. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Um, then we've got Michael McManus, played by Stephen Baldwin, who was 29 at the time. He just got out of the biodome. Then we've got Todd Hockney, played by Kevin Pollack, who was 38 at the time. You guys ready? Yes. Over to you, Chelsea. Who oh, is your wow. pick for verbal kint? All right. Well, we all know Kevin Spacey is pretty problematic. So I picked an actor that's equally as problematic. I went with Chris D'Elia. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a pretty um, insightful pick, I think. Mm-hmm. That, I think that works out well. Um, we can hopefully separate the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And over to you, Sean. All right. So I went with an actor who was in, he was in Love and Mercy, Prisoners, Little Miss Sunshine, yes. and There Will Be Blood. He's an excellent director. I went with Paul Dano. Paul Dano's great. Uh, isn't he going to be in The Batman? Yes. The Batman. Yes. So my pick is 28 now. He was in Tadpole, Daredevil, and The Sopranos. His name is Robert Iyer. Robert Iyer. He was the son okay. on Sopranos. Yeah, he is. Next up, we've got the role of Fenster. Fred Fenster was played by Benicio Del Toro, a mere 28-year-old. He was a baby. Yeah, he was a tadpole. (laughs) Uh, Benicio Del Toro was 28. And Chelsea, who's your pick? I'm a little unsure of this, but he's a hard one to recast. Oh, it is. Not for me, but maybe for you. It it really was for me. Anyways, my actor was in... (laughs) Don't laugh at me. Was in Star Wars. Yeah. And he's been in the news a lot lately. I went with John Boyega. Oh, John Boyega. Yeah. Nice. That's an interesting pick. Any particular reason? I think he can pull off that sort of badass, cool vibe. Yeah. As well as um, still be funny. Well, they both certainly have nice leather jackets. Yeah. Over to you, Sean. All right. This actor doesn't have a huge resume, but you've probably seen some of the things he's been in. Uh, He was in Bad Boys for Life. Oh, yeah. And The Outpost? Mm, Probably not not so much. I might have seen that, actually. Um, He's in a TV series called Pieces of Her. He's going to be in the upcoming uh, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Hmm. Uh, But he looks the part. His name is Jacob Scipio. Oh, Jacob Scipio, of course. He pronounces it Scipio. Scipio. Scipio tone. C-3PO. Right. That, was that was golden. I wanted to say one thing. Benicio del Toro was just a little tadpole del Toro. Yes. <laughs> uh, my pick is he beats everything you guys just said. His Probably. name is no. He's 27 now. He was in Big Time Adolescence, The King of Staten Island. I shopped him and Saturday Same. Night Live. <laughs> His name is Pete Davidson. I think it would be good. I think it'd be do it. He, yeah. He could do the he flip. He could you. pull the fence. I'll flip you. Flip it for real. <laughs> yes. All right. Next up, we've got Dean Keaton, played by Gabriel Byrne, who was 45. I'm very intrigued to see what you've got for this, Chelsea. My pick's pretty shallow because mm. Sean put my face on this dude's body. <laughs> so now I just want him to be hot. Okay. <laughs> I went with Ryan Reynolds. Okay. All right. Um, there was 
there was not a lot of options. It was a real dead pool of uh. people to choose from. Over to you, Sean. All right, so I wanted a guy that you would believe was a cop and had you know done some dirty shit to get iced by his own force and forced into the fringes of being a con artist. This actor was in The Accountant, Fury, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Baby Driver. It's The Punisher. I went with John Bernthal. Nice, dude. John Bernthal is awesome. Okay, wow. This is turning out to be a motley crew of usual suspects. So my turn on the character Dean Keaton. I've got an actor who, uh, say what you will about him, he is a presence. He is someone who would probably fit in pretty well in a gang of thieves. He was in In Bruges, The Lobster, and True Detective Season 2. His name is Colin Farrell. Yeah. Colin Farrell yeah. is going to be my Dean Keaton. He's well, also going to be the round. penguin in The Batman. Then we've got the character known as uh, Michael McManus. Michael McManus, is that right? Michael McManus, played by Stephen Baldwin, who was 29 at the time. Chelsea. I picked somebody pretty, but who is also comes across as really dumb. Uh Dylan Playfair from Letterkenny. Oh, good one. Yeah. The hockey boy. Oh, okay. Now, is he the one who looks like Wyatt Russell or is he the other one? He's the, the one with brunette the... Brunette or blonde? The blonde. Okay. Yeah. All right. Over to you, Sean. All right. So, yeah. Uh, Stephen Baldwin didn't quite become the meteoric actor that his Mm-mm. brother was. So, he was Which just one of a... <laughs> <laughs> Um. But yeah, he's just a kind of a goofy meathead kind of guy. Yeah. So I went with a goofy meathead kind of guy. He was in 21 Jump Street, Grown Ups 2, but uh, most people would know him from the uh, faux documentary American Vandal. I went with Jimmy Tatro. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it. I can see it. And he is a shithead. Yep. Uh, or meathead. <laughs> um, so my pick for Michael McManus is 28 now like most of my picks are one year younger and i think it by me it might be my math skills uh but he was in big daddy after we collided the sweet life and kung fu magoo his name is dylan sprouse dylan sprouse is basically lil william baldwin no wait (laughs) lil stephen baldwin (laughs) Next up, we got Todd Hockney, played by the great Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock was in Willow. I love Kevin. I've used him as a as a chop. Kevin Pollock was just 38 at the time. Younger than most of us. And Chelsea, who did you think about for this? I have no idea. You why have this no idea is... who you thought about? I don't know why I picked this person. Mm. I guess it kind of fits, but I I don't know. I went with Ben Schwartz. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I thought about um dude from dude from Superbad. Not Seth jo- Rogen, but Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. I thought about Jonah Hill for this. But that's not who I picked. You're just gonna have to wait to find out who I picked. But first we hear who Sean picked. So to be a bomb expert, you kinda have to be a little different, a little weird, a little mm-hmm. on the fringe personality wise. Mm-hmm. So I went with an actor who kind of embodies that. 
He is from, uh, you've seen him in Freaks and Geeks, Party Down, I'll See You in My Dreams, and Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Martin Starr. Oh, he's great. I love him. Guilfoyle. Yeah. Did you ever watch that show, Fringe? Yeah. I thought it was all right. Yeah. Anyway, my pick for the role of Todd Hockney is 37 now. He was in The Amazing Spider-Man. He was in Under the Silver Lake and The Social Network. I went with Andrew Garfield. I thought about him. Yeah, good pick. You shopped him? Yeah. Well, I chopped him. (laughs) All right. So that's going to bring us to intermission, but not before we say... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some ill-gotten gains. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM. The Shop with Travisito, the Brew Boss. And me, Chelsea, the Regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All, All morning, morning long. And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah. hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck. Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger. Trontastic Ron. I'm going to rip his face off. Woo! And the defending champ. Little Thanos. You ain't got nothing, brother. I can't stop saying Woo! It's an actual medical condition. So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail, where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemachopshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind! Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy! Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to... Watch Chop Retrofit! And we're back. Thank you, Chop Shoppers, for bearing with us during intermission. I decided to go and uh, 
scam a couple people on Jackson Avenue. <laughs> um, so when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-in. And thank you to my lovely wife, Michelle, for picking this oh, up drink. down in Charleston. It is the perfect on-theme beer for this episode. It's called That Money. Nice. Money. And uh, can you please describe the the cover art for us? He's got like a grill. Yeah. And it's it says Money IPA. His beard looks like it's made of hops. It says drink it fresh, drink it now. And he's holding up a blinged out stopwatch or a pocket watch rather with the Barrier Brewing logo on it. And Barrier Brewing is where this beer comes to us from. And I believe that they're out of the, the low country. Um, Do we have any... ID on the location? <laughs> New York. New York for real? <laughs> Oceanside, New York. Oh, well, wow. at least they're by the ocean. I'm going to crack that you open. crack that open and we'll start our 2021 movie marathon. It is the what? 73rd day of the year as of this recording nice. uh, because we're recording later in the weekend. Mm. Normally, we record on Fridays. Yes, we're doing Sunday production, Sunday fun day, Sunday release. You guys got me on Sunday fun day, so it's going to be extra. Yeah. As of this recording, it is the 73rd day of the year. I'm on number 83. I'm on, Sean? I'm on 88. Chelsea? 140. 140. Mm-hmm. Like the more higher numbers you say, the more I think you're just a fucking liar. Damn. She's a con artist. She's fucking conning us. Well, I'll start recording myself watching these films and then you can review the footage. Put it on and our I'll YouTube. I'll just get further and further ahead. Put it on our YouTube, ahead. the Cinema Chop Shop podcast on YouTube. All right. So my first one is going to be number 79. It's Coming to America. And so I watched the original. I rewatched the original in prep for it. And I was just fucking blown away how many references there are in the movie that were later entire sketches yeah. and bits like key and peel were, were influenced by them and mad TV and SNL later SNL. Yeah. Just extreme levels of production value also. So then we did a double feature and we watched coming to America available on Amazon prime. And I was a little bit apprehensive about too many callbacks, but they skirted that line just right. Okay. Yeah. So recommend. Sean, over to you. All right. Um, I'm going to check in a con artist movie called Confidence. And this is from 2000. Confidence. Confidence from 2003. This stars uh, Edward Norton and Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Uh, despite some really bad and obvious ADR. ADR. After dialogue recording. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, uh, cool. A fun grifter movie. You're going to have to do a lot of that in this episode. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> a fun grifter movie with a great supporting cast. Yes. Not to knock his stature, but Edward Burns deserves to be a bigger star. Okay. I like him a lot. Um, you know what I don't like? What? Is that Google doesn't recognize the word grifter. Yeah, yeah, it does not. It kept trying to correct me all week long. All week. I had never heard that word before. Until, Grifter? Yeah. There's a whole movie called The Grifters. You'll hear Sorry. about it later. Uh, what do we think of this beer? Um, looks like I don't know when it was canned. It's it's okay. Let's see. 
Nope. Wait. I think you called Edward Burns Edward Norton. Oh, did I? I think 01, so. 01, Edward 06, Burns. I, yes, yes, so not... January 6th. January 6th? Yeah, we're about eh, three months in. A little long in the tooth. Um, yeah, Edward Norton, not Edward Burns, which I think may lead to his... <laughs> Don't live in it. I meant Ed Burns, not yeah. Edward Norton, which I mm-hmm. think may speak to his not B-level stardom, but he's definitely mm-hmm. not... Ed Norton. No. Well, Edward so. Norton has played con artists multiple times mm-hmm. uh, in something that we'll talk about in a moment. And also in his debut feature film role, uh, Primal Fear, he cons everyone. Do you guys remember Primal Fear? No. Yeah. Sean says yes. Chelsea says no. Have you never seen Primal Fear? I don't think so. Holy moly. Please put it on your recommendations from Travis list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh you got something else? No, I was just I was just talking about confidence and I got sidetracked because I'd said Edward Norton instead of Edward Burns. But So my next one is <laughs> check in number eighty and it's called Color Me Kubrick. Color Me Kubrick. And it is starring John Malkovich and Chelsea wants a fist bump. <laughs> and uh, he's pretending it's a it's a true story. He's pretending to be the reclusive director Stanley Kubrick, and I think it would make a very good double feature with being John Malkovich. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Good deal, Chelsea. Next oh. up, what do you got? I really love this film, but for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it. House of Games. House of Games. Now I saw. One of you checked this in recently. I did. Um, I did on Letterboxd. Is it a spinoff of Game of Thrones? No. It's not. Tell me what it is. There's this um, psychiatrist, psychologist, and she's sort of like questioning why she's doing what she's doing. She's like, I'm not really going to help them. I'm a con person. Yes. So one of her clients is going to get killed because he's a habitual gambler. So she like goes to see, I don't know what you would call him. His like, bookie, his bookkeeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His bookkeeper. She goes to see him and she's like, erase this debt. And then she pulls a con with him. And, and really, he was pulling a con on her. And He's then, like, who am I, Joe Biden? <laughs> and then she... <laughs> I can't keep going. Okay. But anyway, he's played by Joe Montana and he does a really great job. The actress, not so much, uh, but uh, a lot of cigarette smoking. Late nice. 80s. So smoke those cigarettes, everybody. Um, the actor whose last name is a mispronunciation of the great state of Montana. It's kind of like a primer for, for con artistry because she goes in there to learn okay. about the con and they really run her through about four or five legitimate cons mm-hmm. in detail. So you as a as an audience member learned the con too. But it's uh, David Mamet's first directorial feature. Okay. And it was co-written by da- Jonathan Katz. Who oh, you would the, know. the Katz guy. We talked about yeah, this. Yeah, you were asking about this. It was yes. Dr. Katz from the early days of Adult Swim. and he did, uh, The Critic? Was he no, involved with The Critic? No, he, he later went on to kind of do some stuff with home movies. He was the dad. Home movies is amazing. Yeah, it's he was, the best. He was the dad of the little girl that was yes. in the production crew. And he has a working relationship yeah, with, with, with Lauren Borchard. Bouchard. Bouchard. Yes. Um, so he is. He has a loose tie to Bob's Burgers. He's appeared once as a voice on that. So anyway, cool movie. I yeah. think it's worth checking out. I like it. Um, 
I'll do my check-in and I'll make it quick since I've been talking. Uh, the Lady Eve from 1941, Barbara Stanwyck and Ooh. Henry Fonda. Whoa! It's it's a it's one of those films where she's a con artist with the her quote unquote father who she's not related to. He's just an older guy that they do cons together on these uh, steamboats, these uh, cruise liners. Yeah, and they find a mark and stern wheelers. No, <laughs> they find a mark and they uh, you know they pull a con on him. And this guy, his name uh, his name escapes me, but his family owns the Pike Ale Company. So oh. I was really interested because it was a beer. Pike's in. not a name; it's a fish. Anyway, my next check-in <laughs> is gonna be <laughs> I'm number <done>. eighty-two. <laughs> it's called SAS Red Notice, and this is a action thriller starring Ruby Rose and Sam Hewen. Sam Hewen, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's the star of Outlander, the Scottish time travel that all the English professors watch that all of the American women get wet over Uh, and also Ruby Rose so basically Sam Hewen's character is taking his girlfriend from London to Paris via the channel or the channel tunnel Mm -hmm. and when they're in the middle of the underwater train they get taken over or hijacked by terrorists led by Ruby Rose. It's not like Oscar worthy, but it's a fun, fun date night movie. So I watched this with my lovely wife, Michelle on Friday night when we got home from our date. Cool. Yeah. It's fun. Check it out. SAS red notice. It's also based on a book and a true story. Um, Maybe not true. I got one more checked in. I'll be quick with this one. It's called the flim flam man. He's a flim flam man. Yeah, exactly. 1967, George C. Scott, under heavy makeup and possibly prosthetics, teams up with a GI on the run in the ways of the con. A lot of shenanigans. Um, very silly, silly country people are so stupid type jokes. Um, okay. Harry Morgan's in it from MASH. Oh, yeah. As a bumbling sheriff, which is not a role you associated with, especially around 67. I mean, you think Dragnet when you think of Harry Morgan around mm-hmm. that time. Uh, Sue Lyon, who was Lolita in Lolita. She is in this film as well. The original Lolita. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The Kubrick version. And uh, it's stupid. It's ham-fisted, but it's, it's, a, it's a con movie. We don't use the phrase ham-fisted enough. I do. I feel like... It evokes imagery of somebody taking an entire ham <laughs> and fitting it over their hand <laughs> and then trying to go about their daily life. That pretty much illustrates the point of the, uh, expression. Of the expression. Right. We're done with the 2021 movie marathon for this week. Unless you got Chelsea's one more, done. Chelsea? Nope. No, All right, we're done. Okay. All right. Bring it into the second part of our feature segment. The recast continued. Three card money. The second mark. And we're going to talk about the score. Now, you rewatched this movie yeah. recently. I didn't rewatch it, but I do remember it fondly. Uh, fondly. And it's directed by Frank Oz. It came out in 2001. And we're talking about a movie. It's a con artist movie starring uh, Robert De Niro, Marlon Brando, Angela Bassett, and the aforementioned Edward Norton. <laughs> <laughs> so 
career thief Nick Wells, played by Robert De Niro, is about to mastermind a nearly impossible theft that will require his joining forces with a clever young accomplice, played by Edward Norton. The unlikely alliance arranged by Nick's longtime friend and fence, Max, played by Marlon Brando, interrupts Nick's plans to retire from crime and settle down with his fiancée, Diane, played by Angela Bassett. Uh, worse, it requires that Nick violate his most important rule, always work alone. Uh, so upon rewatching this, what were your thoughts? The thing I remembered from watching it the first time was that it was just so clever and how it was pieced together. And watching it again, it still holds up. It stands up. You've got an inside man at this highly secure facility in Montreal where mm-hmm. there's a priceless relic. And they hatch an impossible way to get said relic. And there's no honor among thieves, I guess, is the, the theme of the movie. Let uh, me ask you this. <clears throat> is Edward Norton's uh, facade problematic now? Um. It is and it isn't because... I think it was problematic back then, okay. but they're kind of aware of it. All right. Yeah, he play, He plays. His character affects a special A disabled person, person yes. A mentally challenged person. That, and you've seen these people in the workforce and it's like, this. you're working, it's great. Yeah. He's a janitor's assistant and he, he per- perpetuates this persona to make people ignore him, trust him. So he's able to get away with a lot uh, by using this, which, yeah. I, which I remember at the time of thinking that's brilliant. Yeah, it is part of the con. But hearkening back to the usual suspects, there is also an, a physical affectation mm-hmm. for and, that same and purpose. And in what I was talking about earlier, Primal Fear, he affects somebody who has a stutter mm-hmm. and like a tick. And, it's, and he doesn't actually. But, so it's funny because that... I'm giving too much away. It's funny because we subconsciously think put those people on a lower level, right. and is, we don't just, think that they're capable of yeah. the uh, damage. Yeah, it's sad, but that's human nature, and as a result, they gain an upper hand by mm-hmm. gaining that trust and people letting their guard down, and that plays into the plot of this film. Absolutely. Uh, so we should go ahead, and I'm going to say recommend. Oh, for on this. this film, yes. Yeah, I liked it. I, I yeah. still like mm-hmm. it. All right, so talk about the roles. We've got uh, Jack Teller, played by Edward Norton, who was 32. We've got Max, played by Marlon Brando, one of his last performances. Yeah. Uh, we've got Nick Wells, played by Robert De Niro, who was 58 at the time. I, oh, I should say Marlon Brando was 77. Uh, and then we've got Diane, played by Angela Bassett, who was 43 at the time. And Chelsea, are you ready with your recast? Um, yeah. Going with the Jack Teller role played by Edward Norton originally. Um, my actor is in a lot of TV shows. Okay. Um, uh, American Horror Story. I was just in WandaVision. I went with Evan Peters. Uh, I just recast him last week in, as the Alan Cummings role in Titus. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely becoming a chop shop favorite. Uh, I like what he's laying down. I can handle it. Over to you, Sean. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. This actor can be seen in films such as Me Before You, the Harry Potter movies, 
but most recently in the film Baby Done, I went with Neville Longbottom himself, Matthew Lewis. I haven't yet watched Baby Done. It's on a list. I literally wrote it down on a post-it note. Yeah. But I, I also to have it. to reiterate the fact that Me Before You is my sexual philosophy. So going to <laughs> my pick for the Jack Teller role. He was played by Edward Norton originally. He was 32 at the time. My actor is 31. I think I've only chopped him one time on this show. But he was in Seabiscuit. Not to be confused with Puck Puck. <laughs> he was in Lords of Dogtown and the Stanford Prison Experiment. His name is Michael Angerano. And he's got a real, real Edward Norton face value. He does, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And he's a good actor. And he recently married somebody hot. Well, Next up, <laughs> we got Max. Max is played by Marlon Brando, who was 77. And Chelsea, who's your pick for this one? Oh, you don't know? I think, well, Are I you do changing know. changing your mind? No, I'm not changing You're allowed my to mind. Change your mind. I'm not changing my mind. It's just, I think it's kind of mean why I chose this person. Oh. Because Brando was pretty round yeah. in this film. I so mean, I just picked the roundest actor. Round could... is a shape. I like it. But, anyways. Pick the roundest little actor I could think of, and I went with Danny DeVito. Ah, so I, I actually like, I don't know if that's I mean. actually thought about him as well. This is a good pick. Okay, good. Yeah, he would be good in this role, and he's gonna bring <laughs> full, always sunny Frank energy to this. I'm glad you think it was a good pick because I did too. Oh! <laughs> Fantastic. All right, bringing it over to me. I went a little bit more highbrow. Um, he is in, oh, he's 76 now. He's in The Untouchables. He's in The Living Daylights. He's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. His name is John Reese davies John Reese davies is my max. It's Gimli. Gimli. What are the rings? Okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, isn't he great? Isn't well, he going to be good? Fantastic, yeah. All right, next up, we got two more. First, we've got uh, Nick Wells, played by Robert De Niro, who was 58 at the time. Chelsea, who did you think about for this one? I think I got thrown off by Nick, so I just picked Nicolas Cage. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you know, Nicolas Cage. He can did, do it. Well, he did he do it. Yeah, he did National Treasure. Uh -huh. And, you know, there is the scene where, where De Niro's coming down on the spider line. and yeah. He's also a Coppola, and Francis Ford Coppola has directed Robert De Niro multiple times. There you go. Okay, over to you, Sean. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. He's what, what would we say, 48, 58? 58. 58 at the time. Yeah, so I wanted a, a guy of the same age who was more of a physical specimen to do some of these uh, heist antics and acrobatics All right. that were involved. So this actor... Jackie can, Chan? No, this actor can be seen in Fight Club. Is it Edward Norton? The Losers. Run All Night. And he's got a lot of free time after getting rid of uh, the TV series Mindhunter with Holt McCollany. McCallany. He's the right guy, like the McCallany. He's the guy who actually goes and like wants to do the interviews, right? Right. This is the the by the book guy. Yes, but he's got like five things in production. Oh, okay. No, he's not the person I was thinking of. He's the no. older this one. Bill. Yeah, this is the. Uh... He's the older one who thinks 
he, he wants to be by the book, like yeah. you were saying. But yeah, he's got like five things in production right now. So clearly right people on. are chomping at the bit to get him. Cool deal. All right. My pick is 58 now. He was in Flatliners. He was in Backdraft with Robert De Niro. He was in Sliver. I watched Sliver so many times when I was 16. <laughs> uh, he's also in a new show called Northern Rescue. He's not Stephen Baldwin. He's William Baldwin. Yep. The other, other Baldwin. How much yeah. does he look like Robert De Niro right now? A little bit. Yeah. Come on. Come on. He looks like he's trying to grunt one out in that picture. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> All right. We got one more, right? We got Diane, played by Angela Bassett, who was 43 at the time. Chelsea, what do you got? I picked Tiffany Haddish. Hell yeah. Right? Tiffany Haddish is great. She's hilarious. She's also an excellent actress. And she's probably at the height of her powers. Oh, I missed it. I mean, I set it up. You just I know. Yeah. Uh, so any particular reason? Um, She has the same sort of presence okay. that Angela Bassett has. Like they're she just... won't take any shit. Yeah. I like it. Over to you, Sean. I went with an actress who... You know, I was thinking about this. She, she's a romantic associate of uh, De Niro's in this film, and she's trying mm-hmm. to get him to retire and go straight in there right. so they can live their life together. But I'm thinking maybe you know their acquaintance probably came from the business. Maybe she's got some skills of her own. She may have a certain set of skills. So I went with an actress who has displayed lots of prowess and skills. Uh, you would know her from The Visitor, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, and The Walking Dead. I went with... <laughs> Danae Guerrera. You're a fucking asshole because <laughs> I picked Danae Guerrera. Nicely done. <laughs> she was in uh, all the things you just said. Oh, she's a badass. So before we get to the wrap up, do you have a beer over there that we're going to try? Yeah, I've got it open. It, this is from uh, Mokama Brewing in Fernandina, Florida. And this is their Proceme Pilsner. I recently started following the florida man twitter yes oh, it's a lot of fun <laughs> it's so fun all right so this is a what kind of beer pilsner pilsner all right very Excellent. light body clear it's a good example of the style it's a walking beer it is hey, a walking walking here all right are you guys ready for the bonus segment i am are you it's going to be a battle royale between con artists of the highest order it is Connie Chung versus Connie Britton versus Conway Twitty. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to stop you right there. I'll let you finish. I'm going Kanye West. <laughs> Kanye West. I'll let you finish in a minute. Chelsea, come on. You got to make a pick. No, ser- seriously. Pull it together. I got to go with Conway Twitty. Oh, my God. Hello, darling. I'm going to go... Uh, Connie Britton. I'm going Connie Chung. Good. Nice. Yeah, there we go. All right. So uh, with that, we want to wrap up the show. We want to thank the Chop Shop regulator, Chelsea in the house. Anything you want to plug? Trivia. Trivia is coming up. Uh, This week is our St. Patrick's Day trivia. We're going to have all Irish music. We're going to have all Ireland themed questions for trivia. And also, Sean's going to wear his leprechaun costume. 
And so I also want to thank Sean, my co-host and co-producer, the engineer. Anything you want to plug, sir? Seminar Brewing is going to be canning Pulpy Love, the first version, uh, strawberry and raspberry. Nice. So check that out on your store shelves in the very near future. That's excelente. Uh, do you know what next week's episode is? Gary Oldman films. The films of Gary Oldman. And I do have a sneak preview question and answer for next week's trivia. In the 2012 film Guns, Girls, and Gambling, what role does Gary Oldman play? Wyatt Earp. The answer is Elvis. Oh. We will also accept Elvis impersonator. But there's five Elvis impersonators in this. Oh. There's Asian Elvis. There's little Elvis. So on and so forth. What year was that from? 2012. Ooh. We want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We're hosted online. We are Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. Also, we are on Twitter. We are at Cinema Chop Shop, Facebook, Cinema Chop Shop, and we're Cinema Chop Shop at gmail.com for the emails. Also, the beers that we checked in today will be checked in on Untapped. That's Untapped, U-N-T-A-P-P-D. We are Cinema Chop Shop on there. Also, new shit on YouTube, right? I also noticed there's no camera going around. No right recording now. this week. No, no camera going right now, but we are the Cinema Chop Shop podcast. And do check it out because there is extra shit on the YouTube. Indeed. Uh, finally, farewell. <laughs> Thank you to you, the listeners. Please get your vaccine. Continue to wear a mask and social distance. And please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. <clears throat> Travis, out. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>